right now grab hold of that word because the baby will live again in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Shout it out. Hallelujah. It's good. I'll drink to that. Glory. Well, last week, I preached on Labor Day, but not really. In 1909, the Sunday before Labor Day was declared Labor Sunday. And it's where all the churches was to preach on spiritual rest. Now, I don't know what happened to that down through the ages. But see, what Labor Day is a day of rest for workers. But you can't rest in the natural till you learn to rest in the spiritual. Because there is no rest or peace to the wicked, the scripture says. And your natural old man cannot rest. It can take a day off, but it can't rest. And one of the things we talked about, and I'll finish it, but one of the things we talked about in the Old Testament, one of the things it says in Deuteronomy 12, 9, says you've not yet come to the rest and the inheritance which the Lord your God gives you. Now, where do you get rest and inheritance? It's given to you. The promise was the promised land of the inheritance. But before you can have the inheritance, you've got to have rest. And what is rest? Rest is from your enemies and from all that hates you. Now, the biggest enemy and the biggest thing that we battle inside of every one of us is that old nature. Amen? Now, the promise is exchange life is how you get rid of that old thing. But it doesn't stop him from aggravating you, but you learn to walk in the newness of life or you walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill what? Lust of the flesh. So you exchange that thinking. So he gives you rest so you can enjoy it. And Joshua 1.13 says, Remember the word which Moses, servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you the land. And what? And it says they had rest from all their enemies. In Luke 1, 72, it says that, that uh, let me just read that, Luke, is the promise of Jesus coming and what we have in Christ. And in that, John the Baptist's dad, Zacharias, was prophesying. And in verse 171, he said that he would save us from our enemies, save from our enemies, and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and remember his covenant, the oath which he swore unto Abraham, that he would grant to us that we being delivered, being delivered, that's past tense, out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness, in righteousness, when we go to heaven. What does it say? Is that now? Now. Now. This new covenant is to deliver us from the enemies and all that hate us, that we might serve him without fear. In holiness, in righteousness, right now. All the days of our life. How's that going to happen? Only one way. To walk in the newness of life. See, that's the exchange life. But in it, he's promised it. First, you've got to have rest. And then, you walk in it. Well, how do we get that rest? Let's, let's go on now. Turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. I want you to see something here. You know, one of the things it says in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that God planned for us. He says that in Christ Jesus, he's made us what? Whole, perfect. He says that from the foundation of the world, we're to walk before him holiness and righteousness all the days of our life. He predestined us in Christ to walk holy and without blame before him all the days of our life. 
From the foundation of the world, he plans, promised that. And what he says in Romans 5, he says what? While we were sinners, Christ died for us. He reconciled us while we were yet enemies. Now, now being reconciled, what do we do? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So here in Hebrews 1, verse 1, God, who at sundry times and divers men have spake in past time unto our fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Has spoken to us what? By his Son. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, of whom he made the world. Who being in the brightness of his glory. Christ is the brightness of the glory of the Father. The expressed image of his Father, his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins. Now, what? By himself. Say, by himself. By himself himself purged our sins. How many of our sins? Past, present, and future. By himself, he purged all our sins. He doesn't need our help. You with me? He ever lives. He perpetually is alive. His blood is presently alive from now to the end to make intercession for you. Not just there, but now and whatever happens. By himself, he purged our sins. And then he what? The name of this message is he sat down. Come on, say he sat down. He said it's finished, and he what? He sat down. Now, you know, priests usually stand and minister. I couldn't help it. But priests, everybody know that we're, we're ministers. We're priests and ministers. And we stand up here ministering. But you know what? If you're not careful, you're sitting here ministering sacrifices and words that can never deal with sin. Because they're rooted in the law and, in, and works. You can stand and minister as a priest and a minister a sacrifice that can never take away your sins. You're always trying to take away your sins, but you never get there because under the law there's no one justified in the sight of God. For the just shall live by faith. So when he finished and took care of sins once for all, he sat down, expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. Say he sat down. Now, let's look, I want to look at another verse, chapter 9, verse 26. Let's start. Uh, It talks about a better sacrifice in verse 23. It was there necessary that the pattern of things in heaven should purify with these, but the heavenly things themselves with a better sacrifice than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are a figure of the true, but in heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God, what? For us. Say for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then he must often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once, what? In the end. Say once in the end. The end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. By the sacrifice what? Of himself. He put it away. Once for all. Now look in verse 10. Chapter 10. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Chapter 10, it talks about him coming. In the volume of the books, it is written to take away our sins. Verse 9, he said, Lo, I come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will? God's will. We are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. And every priest, this is what I said a while ago, stands daily ministering and offering 
oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. What did he do? He sat down. He sat down. See, I want you to see, he's not struggling and striving. He sat down. But according to Ephesians chapter 2, we've been made to sit with him in heavenly places. When he went to the cross, he didn't go to the cross for himself. He went for me. When he was buried, he wasn't buried for himself. He was buried for me. When he rose, I rose with him. When he ascended, we ascended with him. When he sat down, we sat down together in heavenly places. We are seated with him in heavenly places. But to too much of our time, we've lived out of the old man. We're living from earth to heaven someday. Earth to heaven. But I'm telling you, what Jesus said is from heaven to earth. We're living from heaven to earth. We're not trying down here to get up here. Who can ascend to heaven? No, he first descended. It's the same that first reascended. And we, we rose with him when he rose. So we live from heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. The old man is still living from earth to heaven, trying to get something and get where he needs to go. And he ain't going to work. Say, it ain't going to work. By himself purged our sins, and he sat down. This man, he sat down. From henceforth, expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever those that are sanctified. Listen, your sanctification is not progressive. Your sanctification is not in the future. By one offering, he sanctified you forever. Now just get over it. One of the things that's being taught on a regular basis is progressive sanctification. Every day I get a little more sanctified. No. No. It's a seed issue. You either is or you isn't. If you're born of a corruptible seed and you're trying to change your old mind, will, and emotion by sanctification and trying to get a little better every day... You're going to spend the rest of your time for nothing. Bill Johnson said most Christians spend a lifetime trying to become who they already are. That's a fact. Because here it is right now. The sanctification, 1 Corinthians 1.30 said, But of him are you sanctified, who in Christ has made unto you wisdom, sanctification, redemption, and everything else. Why? So as it's written, let him that glory, that no flesh will glory in his presence. But of him have you made you all these things. The real secret of Christianity is that you hold the beginning of your confidence steadfast to the end. Because the enemy is out there trying to get you to add one little thing to it. Yeah, but. And you know what? That old man. You know, I'm not too, I ain't preached on this before. I ain't even said this before. I'm going to say it anyhow. He says when the man of sin is exposed. You know what the Antichrist is? It's that that opposes Christ. It's not trying to come Christ. It just opposes Christ. Anti-Christ. Christ in you is the new creation. There is a man of sin that's still trying to pull you back into sin. Now, what happens when you get the revelation of the exchange life? That old man's exposed for what he is. He cannot be saved. He never will be saved, but he wants to be. But it's based on his performance. And all he's after all the time is trying to pull you back in to trying to just be a little better. A little poison. Just a little bit of law mixed with grace will take you out of your grace walk and out of your peace. It's not about us, saints. He sat down. And we sat down with him. Now, that's the gospel. He paid it all. First Thessalonians 5.23, the God of all peace, 
Sanctify you, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And I pray your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who called you, who has already done it. It's finished. So, he sat down. So, what do we do? Well, we don't do anything. We just sit down. No, we talked about this in Bibles in a coffee shop. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that faith's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Did you know the faith to get saved is not your faith? It's a gift of God. He's given to every man a measure of faith. And he gives you the faith to be saved. It's even a gift of God. And you're saved by grace through faith. And that faith's not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So what am I saying? I say we work from that place of rest. We're not working to get somewhere. We're working because we already are somewhere. Amen. You see the difference? Now catch this. We're not trying to get to a destination. We are living from a destination. Let me say it again. We are not trying to get to a destination. We are living from a destination that was purposed for us before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. A lot of people have life, but to have abundant life. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. You know, I think about, there's a lot of you who've been affected in 1994. We all got into the laughing revival, we called it, because we didn't know what else to call it. We went to Toronto, and we get in this times of refreshing. And, you know, there's been a lot of moves come and go. But I want to tell you, this one didn't go. It's still here. But I want to tell you, what it, when it came, I remember asking the Lord about this. And I said, what is this? And this laughing. He said, don't you think it's about time my church had a good laugh? Don't you think they've been sad long enough? It's about time for a good laugh. And you know, it was a, it's a time of refreshing. Because you know what happens when, when you get under that anointing and, it, and you lay before the Lord? You just rest. And you just get refreshed. See, that's the purpose of this. And, and it hadn't ever left. It's still right there with you all the time. It didn't come and it didn't, go. It didn't come to go. It come to stay. The Holy Ghost came to stay and to be with us and to reveal. You know, when, when the Spirit of God came, Jesus said, when he comes, he will take the things of mine and reveal it to you. And I know when, when that happened, I've, I've saw, I, ha, I had one guy in my church sit right back there the back where you're sitting. And I dreaded the day when I had to minister to him because he was so full of anger and, and hatred. And he was planning to leave his wife and he was just mad. And I dreaded the day when I had to deal with those demons in him. And I remember John Sheesby, I guess, was here. And he, he came out in the aisle and he prayed for him and he hit the floor and he stayed there all night. And he got up. I didn't recognize the guy. He was free. He's free. And I realized God can do more in a minute, two minutes down on the floor than we can do in a lifetime trying to help somebody. So, you know, it was real. And when we was at Toronto, probably 70% of all the people that came was dragging in from 
Europe, all around the world, most of them was pastors that plumb wore out trying to keep the law. <laughs> Burn out trying to keep a set of rules and regulations. 1,800 pastors a month leaving the ministry. Guess why? They're tired of trying to do. Do, do, do. And they're just tired. And so they come in there, and most of them laid on the floor for three or four days, and they went back totally transformed with a fresh zeal for God. You know, one thing I've, I've realized about the exchange life, it brings you to place, if you stay in that rest and peace, the fruit of it is peace. Isaiah 30, 32, it says what? The work of righteousness. When you understand that your righteousness is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And it says what? He took our sins and made us righteous as a gift. That gift of righteousness. Isaiah 32 says the work of righteousness is quietness and assurance. The work of righteousness is peace and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation in quiet resting places. See, that's that new man. Now, does that mean you don't have any problems? I think Paul, if you read Paul's life and all of them other, boy, he had a horrible life. But you know what he said? None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear that I might finish my course with joy. Amen. And the ministry I have received to testify of the grace of God. He said, none of those things move me. So we're moved too easy by circumstances. But you know, one of the things it says is what? Rule in the midst of your enemies. We need to maintain that rest. I remember giving Steve a little book by Brother Lawrence. Practice in the presence of the Lord. You still got the book, Steve? He was a priest in somewhere, Europe, for 40-something years. What he did was wash dishes and all the chaos and confusion. And he said he dreaded that. Every day he dreaded it. And all of a sudden, he said he found him, found himself in that place of exchange with the Lord where it didn't matter what was going on around him. He was in peace. And he, was in, he knew his, he was saved, and he knew he was a different person. See, there's a difference. We live in this world, but we're not of the world. But he says what? My cup runneth over, right? Where, did he, where do we get that? He prepares a table for me where? In the presence of man. What did Jesus say about the wheat and the tares? Uh-oh. There's something growing up together in every one of us that's going to be together, and we're just going to have to learn to what? Let them grow together until the harvest. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish we didn't have to, but the Bible's real clear. The natural mind is not subject to God, and it never will be. It's matter of fact, it's not just not subject, it's hostile. It's hostile. But Scripture also says, but we have the mind of Christ. How do we get it? It's given to us. What did he say in the Old Testament? The Lord has given you rest, and then he has given you the inheritance. See, there's a lot of people in this world that have an inheritance, but they have no rest. Amen? You've got to have an environment so you can receive your inheritance and enjoy it. And that's the exchange life. Living by the life of what? Of another. Even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ and raised us up together and made us set together in heavenly places. Ephesians 2.5. 
You know, Christ is our Sabbath rest. See, God finished his work of creation, and he sat down. Jesus finished his work of redemption, and he sat down. And let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. So now we've got to work real hard to get into that rest. Does that word labor means hard? No. The Greek word there is not labor. It's hurry up. Hurry up. Speedo. Quickly get into his rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. The children of Israel didn't get to go into the promised land because of their unbelief. It says disobedience. You look up the word, it's they didn't believe. Now what's he saying? Christ paid for our work of redemption. God paid for our other works that we have for us. All he's asking us to do is to enter into his rest. And you know what? It would been a lot easier if he said, you climb this mountain. Because we can do that. But entering his rest is hard for us. Why? Because that old nature wants to do something to help him out. I remember for years. I told you this story. You know, I worked hard for him, prayed, studied, fasted, said, I thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now I'm going to be the best little son you ever had. So I just said, you just sit down over here, and if I'll take care of it. He let me for just a few years till I go work plumb out. And he saw in mercy and grace that I wasn't going to make it. So he slapped me upside the head and showed me the truth. He said, it ain't about you, son. It's about me. I've made you to sit together in heavenly places. In Ephesians 1, 6, it says what? To the praise of the glory of his grace. Now catch that. To the praise of the glory of his grace, Ephesians 1, 6, wherein he hath made us accepted. See, we spend a lifetime trying to make ourselves accepted in the world. We do all kinds of things to, to make ourselves accepted to people. And I won't go into details. Y'all know what they are. But by one stroke, he took away all of our old rejections and insecurities and inferiorities and all that other junk we tried to hide and make better, and he made us accepted. And if God has made you accepted, who can reject you? Nobody. Because the real need in every single person is not an acceptance of the world. It's an acceptance of God. And he took all the law and all that stuff and nailed it to the cross so that I might be made acceptable in his sight. Do you know what? God's not mad at us anymore. He poured all his wrath upon Jesus. And you know what's even worse than that? God was in Christ. He poured it on himself. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. See, he paid it for us so we could have it. So why do we resist the grace of God? Why do we fight it? I'm telling you, the grace of God is the most wonderful thing. And we need grace to understand grace. And a lot of people don't understand grace. Oh, that sloppy agape stuff. No. Well, they call that grace, cheap grace. Grace wasn't cheap. Titus says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and justly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Until you understand the grace of God, you're not going to be looking forward to him coming. 
for a lot of years, people said, Jesus is coming, and I'd pray, no, it's not now. I hadn't done enough. I hadn't won enough souls. I hadn't prayed enough. I hadn't given enough. I don't want you to come now. I'm not ready for you to come. Give me for more years so I can work and earn it. So when you come, then you can say, well done, that good and faithful servant. Anybody out there? There's a whole church full of people sitting out there saying, I hope he don't come. Why? Because they're basing his coming on what they're doing now. Listen. You know what it says in Peter? It says this. All this stuff's going to happen. The elements melting with a fervent heat and all this stuff's going to home going on around you, but he says, make sure that you're found of him when he comes in peace, without spot and without blemish. How are you going to do that? Because you understand your identity. You understand your identity. You're in peace because he gives you his peace and he's the one that makes you without spot or wrinkle in the exchange life and you can't do anything about it but enjoy it. And so why? You're looking for that blessed hope and glory and appearing of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he, and he says, and those that look for him the second time when he comes, will see him. Those that look for him. I wasn't looking for him. Why? Legalism. Legalism. Religion. Religion will kill you. I tell you, I, I hate to be that way, but I'm telling you, whenever you, you start seeing it, you, you know what this whole book of Hebrews is about? I'd encourage you to spend some time in Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written to Jewish believers who was not steady in their fast, their faith, they hadn't grown up, they're still babes, chapter 5, time they ought to be teaching, how they need to one teach them again. In chapter 10, there are those that are going back into legalism, back into the, to Jewish customs and Jewish rituals. It was written to them to show them the old covenant wouldn't work and we got a better new covenant established on better promises. But it was to exhort not to go back there. So, it's just as relevant for us today because there's something in you that wants to pull you back out of the arrest in your place of peace. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you're called. Amen. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Wow. He saved your soul. You can't save your own soul. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1. Being made so much better, verse 4, the angels and hath an inheritance attained a more excellent name than they. For unto which the angels said at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he will be my son. Again, when he bringeth in the first begotten, say first. Jesus is the second man. He's the first begotten of a lot more. And you're one of them. Okay? Into the world he saith, Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he said, Who maketh your angels spirits and ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son, he says, Thy throne, O God, is forever a scepter of righteousness, a scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of sadness. Gladness? You know what? I just thought of this. You remember when John Sheesby was here and we had this picture of this Laughing Jesus. We put it in the paper and invited everybody to come to the revival. I got a phone call from this lady in the phone. And she says, how dare you to assume that my Lord would laugh? How dare you to assume that my Lord would laugh? 
Well, that's the truth. I'm telling you one thing. The kingdom is righteous, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And in his presence is fullness of joy. And in his right hand are pleasures forevermore. You think heaven's going to be a sad and dreary place? I don't think so. You know, one of the scriptures says that Jesus, when they said they was casting out devils, and they come back, even the devils are subject to us. And Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. And the Greek said he leapt up and spun like a top. So I thank you, Lord, that you've hid these things from the wide and prudent and revealed them to babes. It seemed good in your sight. And it says, and the, the heathen are laughing at God. He sits in his thrones and laughs. Why does he laugh? Because he knows the end. I'm telling you, he's made us to laugh. And it's about time we understand that it's a good thing. A merry heart doeth good like a what? Let him, uh-huh. So... That's what this is all about. Now let's go on. Where did I get to? Sorry. Got sidetracked again. Okay. He has love, righteousness, and hate iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And the Lord in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of his hands. And they shall perish, but thou remainest. They shall all wax old as doth the garment. Now the heavens and the earth will wax old like the garment. I got news for you. You know, it says heaven's made for God, but the earth is made for sons of men. That's Psalms, what, about 16, 15 or 15, 16. I'm not sure which one it is. It's one or the other. Heaven's not made for you. Earth's made for you. Now, this is the only problem. After the thousand years reign, he's going to wrap up this old earth and this old heaven, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Brand new. Why? He's a creator. Wherein dwells righteousness. Now, look what he says. And as a vesture, thou shalt fold it up, and shall, they shall be changed. Guess what the word change really means? Exchange. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which the angel said he at any time, set at my right hand, till I make your enemies thy footstool. What did he say to you, Mike? Set at my right hand. And rest. And all your enemies are going to be made your footstool. See, all of that's already taken, taken care of. It's already done. It's not a matter of us needing to do anything else. It's a matter of us believing what's already been done. That's the big issue. Now, when you're born again, what does it say? As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, Second Corinthians 3.18 says, And we beholding as in the mirror of the word are being exchanged into the same even, image even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You know, when you have a brand new little baby, what do you do? You give him milk till he starts growing up. But you know what? He already has the seed of the Father. It's a seed issue. We've been born again, not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed by the Word of God that lives and abides forever. So we're new seeds. We are new creatures. We're not trying to make the old seed a different seed. The old seed is good for nothing but to bury so what does the message Bible say? Bury that old rascal and get on with your new life. Give it a decent burial and quit grave, quit attending the grave. Trying to make the old better. Just give it a decent burial and get on with living. You know, that's, that's the big issue right there. And you know, we should all, because Jesus loved righteousness and hated iniquity. See, I want to tell you something. God hates that thing in us that's trying to pull us back out of our, our stand with him. And he's not going to go there with us. He says, your sins and your iniquities will I remember no more. 
He ain't going back there with you. The prodigal son, come back to the father. The father didn't say to the prodigal son, look what you did with my inheritance. Looky here what you did with that. All right? So you need to be punished and stay with the slaves for a few years till you get it right. He never once mentioned what he did. All he said was, this my son is dead. Guess what? He's alive forevermore. Bring the best ring, the robe, and the shoes. For he's dead, and he said, your sins are iniquity. I remember no more. Now, one of the things you've got to get a hold of, by one offering, Jesus took care of sin forever. How many offerings? Sin is a defeated foe already. It's not something he's going to do. He sat down. It's already taken care of. So when sin issues or anything else comes into your life, he ever lives to make intercession for your sin. It's already taken care of. You don't have to spend three weeks pouting over what you did in penance. See, I used to think if I could just get a little closer to God. Anybody out there? I'm going to fast. I'm going to go on a 21-day fast. All I ever got was hungry. Anybody out there? If you're real spiritual, you'll do a 40-day fast. I remember Bob Mumford saying he fasted so much he had to run around in the shower to get wet. And one day his neighbor knocked on the door in about the 39th day of the fast and said, the Lord sent me over here with this brand spanking new baked cherry pie. Told me to give it to you. And he said, I believe it. And he took it and ate the whole thing with his hand. Are you out there? Now the pastor said we're not to fast. I didn't say that. But Jesus said what? Can the children of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom are with them? But the day is coming when the bridegroom will be taken away and then they shall fast in those days. But how many of you know the bridegroom's not left you? He's back in you. You don't have to fast to get him to do something to come with you because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Heresy, heresy. Here we go. You read Isaiah 58. What is the fast for? It's a day for a man to afflict his soul. I want to tell you, your new soul don't need afflicting. Your old soul may need afflicting, but your new one doesn't. Because it's full of righteousness, peace, and joy, and the Holy Ghost. And he said, what is the day of fast? That you draw out of your soul to the hungry. And you, you minister the afflicted soul. What is that? Exchange. Our job here is to help people get exchanged from the old into the new. To walk in the newness of life. Because remember that word, exchange. Where did we get it? 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. The Greek word for reconciliation is exchange. Romans 5.11, the Greek word for atonement there is exchange. So we have the ministry of what? Exchange. What is exchange? Old things are passed away and some things have become new. All things have become new. He has redeemed us spirit, soul, and body. Isaiah 53 is to what? Good news of the exchange. It covers all three. And guess what? They're all already paid for. Because he what? He sat down. Expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. Amen? So, we need to sit down.
See yourself this week as seated with him in heavenly places. I told some guys, I said, you know, one of these days it says, if you've been risen with Christ, set your mind on things above, for you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. So what? Mortify, therefore, your deeds upon the earth, fornication, all this stuff, put it to death. When Christ appear, you'll appear with him. I said, one of these days, we are going to come back and get the rest of ourselves. We're going to come back with him to get the rest of ourselves. If we're alive when he comes. Because we're already with him. So what? We've got to learn to live our lives from heaven to earth, not from earth to heaven. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you. And how does he see you? Without sin. Will he appear the second time? Well, it just says, and they that look for him, he will appear the second time without sin to salvation. Without what? Without sin. To the degree you're sin conscious, you're not righteousness conscious. To the degree you're sin conscious, you are not righteousness conscious. That's why the scripture says you're to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. What is that? That's that antichrist spirit. That opposure to Christ. Every thought that comes in you that's opposed to what Christ has done for you when he said it's finished is one of those thoughts that has to be cast down. What does Galatians say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the children of the bondwoman will not be heirs with the sons of the kingdom. Cast it out. Get rid of that thinking. It's called what? Stinking thinking. And every one of us, and, and you know, be not conformed to this world. Yeah. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All right. Be not conformed, but be you transformed. See right there, it says you to transform your mind. Yeah. But if you go look in the Greek, that's metamorphosis. And that means a change for a supernatural from a natural. You want to be a worm or you want to be a butterfly? I've never seen a, a worm flying around with wings. Come on now. It's a whole new creation. Transform is a brand new thing. You know what it says? From a natural to a supernatural. And there's a little, birth, little thing with it. It's called rebirth. Rebirth. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing. Guess what the word renewing means? Exchange. Of your mind. What? You have a new mind. And it's been given to you freely in Christ. So, amen. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we just thank you for the rest and the peace you've given us. And Lord, we thank you that you want us to walk in the newness of life. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, help us to bring into captivity every thought that tries to pull us back into who we were and not who we are. And we thank you, Lord, that you, your grace is the one that's able to save us and to present us. And Lord, you said keep, us, keep yourselves in the love of God. And, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that the Holy Ghost has come to shed the love of God abroad in our hearts. Lord, we don't know how to love apart from your love. And we just ask you, Lord, teach us how in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen.